you mind tickling my feet? Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Culp. I'm Freddie Wah. Okay. So this is the first movie episode we've recorded since the first week of March. And this whole month is going to be a, we're trying to come up with a a phrase and some of them seems a little too mean spirited and some of it, I don't know. I can't really land on anything, but what did we, what was our initial thing we said? Sequels that suck. Uh, Oh no. Remakes. uh, Redonts. (laughs) Redonts. It's funny because in a lot of ways, the original RoboCop from 87 didn't need a sequel. It didn't. And it was fucking, it's a perfect movie. It really is. Paul Verhoeven was like, dude, that dude was on his game. Consecutive movies, right? This, and then he did Total Recall, and then he did Basic Instinct. I mean, that's a, that's a trifecta, dude. That is a serious hat trick right there. Didn't in all those movies didn't need sequels. No. Guess what all of them got? They all got sequels. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because they were fucking massive hits. Right. So when something and because Robocop became part of the you know pop culture lexicon, I mean, I'd buy that for a dollar. Anybody that's seen the movie knows that line and knows what it's from. Right. Bitches leave. <laughs> right. Uh you have that kind of stuff in a in a reboot gets talked about, people are like, don't do this. Now, I know we talk about toxic fan base and all that kind of shit in toxic fans and everything. But this is one of those ones, like I said, for a movie that didn't need sequels, of course I don't want a reboot of it, but you know what? All right, I'll give it a chance. And when they start stacking up the cast, and the cast is pretty damn good, with the exception of the lead. Yeah. Everybody else is great in it, but I have a feeling, I don't know if you'll agree or disagree about this, but I think... Everybody in the movie does the best of what they have presented to them. Everybody's their best version of them, right? Yeah, hundred percent. In the lead of Alex Murphy, I went just you know what we kind of were so into the, just talking about the the history of RoboCop. Let's talk about this. We're talking about 2014's reboot of RoboCop with Joel Kinnaman as Alex Murphy. And there's, there's lots of little things that I like about the movie that they switched up, especially the casting, you know, the late, great Michael K. Williams yep. playing Alex's partner, as opposed to it being, I almost said Nancy Travis. <laughs> Jesus Nancy Christ. Allen Travis. <laughs> I mean, you switched up the genders there with the, with that. And, and the only thing disappointing thing about, about Michael being in this movie is he's not in it a lot. And that's, that's kind of a bummer because there's so many other faces in there that have to have screen time and they all kind of get in there. Sam Jackson is in there yeah. kind of playing in a lot of ways. He has a little bit of a gender switch up there, right? Cause he kind of is like, almost like the Lisa Gibbons from the first movie. He's the face that you see that much if, more than anything. Yeah. And he has a Pat Novak. Yeah. 
what's the kind of show would you say it is? Just kind of a. Uh, it's like one of those, like sort of like one of those Sunday morning CBS uh, face the nation, that kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. sensationalist news shows. But just like the vibe that the, that the media is so controlled by OCP and it's the same thing with this, you know, right. and I'm not giving anything away. <laughs> there is a definite through line there with that whole thing with between the original and this reboot. But Sam Jackson's great in it. Michael Keaton is, is the CEO of Omnicord playing Raymond Sellers. And he's just like everybody else in this movie. He's, he does a good job of what, but he's not in it a lot, but he's a face that helps sell things. And as you know, off Mike, this is the first thing he did uh, right around when he got his Oscar for Birdman. And he was back in the fray where he could do whatever he wanted again. Yeah. Gary Oldman playing. Gary Dr. Oldman's great in it, but you know, yeah. it's, he's always good. Yeah. Playing in Dr. Dennett Norton. Jackie Earl Haley, dude. Yes. And another person that deserved more screen time than he got. And he's, but, but what he's in there, I love, he's just such yeah. a mean spirited dick bag. He's, I feel like he, this is kind of right. This is sort of, there was that point like in the mid, you know, from 2010, I don't know what you call it. It's the 20 teens. Right. <laughs> but Jackie Earl Haley was doing a lot of this kind of thing, right? Like he, they were really, I think it all started with like little children. And yeah, then, that know, was his bounce then, back movie. Yeah. And then, and right. then he got Watchmen and then he just kept building things back up. Freddy Krueger, all that fun, you know, and, and this is, you know, honestly, he's, he looks like he's having a blast. Doing yeah. He's just being such a prick. Yeah. And he's, and he's, and you know, what's funny. He's most like the Miguel Ferrer part in the original. Yeah. That's one thing that's missing from this movie. And I think you agree is, is, we mentioned Verhoeven and his and the kind of thing he did with the original where he teetered on satirizing the very thing that he's taken seriously at the same time in the movie. He does it, did it with Starship and he did it with Basic Instinct and he did it with this movie. Very much the same kind of thing, right? It's like he he's mocking the very thing that he's celebrating. Yeah, for sure. And it's fucking great. Amy Garcia. You guys know I love Lucifer. Love it, love it, love it. And she was uh, a cast member on the set from the second season forward. And she's great in this. She's playing uh, Oldman's assistant, Jerry Baruchel. Yeah. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Right. He's prop he's a proper OCP dick in it. But yeah. The thing is, is that even though everybody's kind of dick-ish, there it's not like the original where the OCP employees were all, every single one of them just looking to step on the other person to climb the ladder. Everybody, even people you thought were in cahoots together, they weren't <laughs> they were fucking, it was, it was rough and it didn't matter. It, it was it's the OCP's corruption wasn't just how it f put its fingers in the rest of the world through the media, through retail stores and all that. This was just, I don't know. Nobody is, they're mean spirited, but they're not evil. Like they were, in the original. And I think that it really takes away from, I don't know, like you said, this wasn't called RoboCop and it wasn't a reboot. At worst, you're going to call it a, oh, it's a RoboCop ripoff, but it would have been an accept. That would have been the last time you said anything negative about it and you got into it. Right. You, you know, you know who else is in this, shows up in this movie and she kind of has really very little to do. And I feel bad is Abby Cornish because I yeah. love Abby Cornish, yeah. but she, her, her role is really just, <laughs> Like the helpless woman in this, I just feel like she's totally wasted. Like they didn't even the, the whole wife and kid thing. They could have just wiped it clean. They didn't even really need it. And that's what sucks about it too, man. I mean, she gave she came on on the field and just gave it to you. 
And she, with, with her perfect American accent. Now, if you've ever seen her speaking, doing you know, EPK stuff, or especially during Geostorm, since you have <laughs> two people that have very thick accents in it, her accent is, is very strong, <laughs> very strong. But she, yeah, she's, but what's funny is she's in this, but she's in this more than the original. Right. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, it, but, but, but she has nothing to do. She, no. She can be in it all she wants, but like the, the dialogue that she has to fucking cough out is terrible. I think it's, not, I just think it's not, I just think they kind of wasted like her, you know, so it was a wasted opportunity because she, she's, she's better than that role. Yeah. And it kind of goes across the board. Like I, I kind of hinted at, I, I think everybody in the movie is giving you the best that they can give with what they've been given to give. And that's, what's kind of a bummer about it. You know, when you go to a wine tasting <laughs> and you, and you, I feel like everybody gets a chance to taste some really good wine, but then we're, we're forced to spit it out into the bucket, not actually enjoy that glass of wine. Also, how do you make Robocop PG-13? I mean, one of the things that made the first one so great was the, you know, the sort of the graphic violence and shock value, you know, you know of certain things, but also the way the, you, it was dealt with it, you sort of, it, yes, you were sort of shock and it was shock and awe, but you were also, it was, there was a humor to it. All that's missing from this movie. This right. movie seems like, it's like a network procedural television show. Yeah. And, and the action sequences they're not very good. They're clumsy as shit. They look like first person shooter video games. The first seven minutes of the movie. I love, I think it's probably the best part of the movie and it has nothing to do with Robocop. It reminds me of, uh, what was the, uh, what's the, um, thir- district nine. Yeah. 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 It reminds me of that. Like the way it's shot. It's, you know, it's sort of there, there, you know, the, 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 you're talking about the whole opening section with them. Yeah. Like yeah. The yeah. East, right. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. they're trying to push the, uh, show why robots are so great. Right. Yeah. It kind of, it, it's shot well and it's interesting enough. It's once that first seven and a half minutes are over, the, the rest of the movie just, just kind of falls flat. It just, yeah. it just becomes ordinary. Yeah. And everything that made the original Robocop stand out is just, it's just been stripped away. It really becomes very much a, let's just put it this way. I think the most biggest mistake that they had and to go back to your, your point you're making about the original, um, what made it so special and why, why it connected with people was because of that shock value. And also to make you kind of cringe and laugh at the same time with some of the violence in it. And, and I don't mean just the, you know, the extra shit that you get in the director's cut, but I mean, just the stuff that was in the theatrical. I think the problem is, is that the people looked at, this is both MGM and then of course Fox ended up doing the, the distribution on it. The, the trouble is that with the rating situation, they looked at the sequels and saw that they were PG-13. Well, that's what they're expecting. I'm like, no, motherfucker, that's why those other ones suck. Yeah. Because <laughs> the opening is of, of part two, right? They do the whole, they're going for that whole media cover-up kind of situation, right? Where they're kind of like talking about you know, with Lisa Gibbons and what's the cat's name? I always forget his name. The John Glover. John Glover. No, 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 no. Lisa. You're talking G- about Robocop Two. Yeah, I'm talking about the the the, oh, the, the John, anchors. John Tesh. Is do you, do you use John Tesh in the second one? That's ET, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know. I forget. Now Lisa Gibbons. Lisa Gibbons and that other guy that's from the first movie. It's the only thing. It's the only Ryan Seacrest. It's only it's the only uh, notable carryovers from the first to the second movie, but. They're, they're going for that tone there. Same tone that you get in Starship Troopers, right? <laughs> yes. You, you know, would you like to know more? That whole bit. It, it, that, that's the closest it gets to being like the original. 
but it gets so trashy. And again, just like with the, the that that sequel, this movie has a wonderful cast. That one, I mean, came from a Tommy Noonan, right? In the second Tom movie. Noonan, yeah, he plays Kane in the second oh, movie. Oh, dude. Right? He's, he's the head of the drug, he's the drug dealer in uh, Kingpin. Like, even in that, that's something else that's missing the, with this one. The OCP, the multiple levels of evil in the OCP. Yes, they're there, but they're all kind of cookie cutter villains. Dude, the, you know, the villain in this movie is so fucking banal and fucking bland, dude. That you, like, right. I mean, who is that? I mean, I couldn't even tell you who it was. Oh, I don't even remember what that cat's name was. I don't yeah, remember. It. Nor should you. I know what Patrick Garo. <laughs> yeah, that's their name. Yeah, I want to run right out and see everything that guy's in. <laughs> You know what remind you know what the, the the bad guy in this reminds me of? It reminds me of Stuart Wilson in Lethal Weapon Three, his Jack Travis character. It was just kind of like, what is he really doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not. He's right. not. A, yeah, there's no there's no sense of menace or like no. there's there's nothing there's nothing going on there, man. It's just kind of like one note, and it's a real sour note. <laughs> like he couldn't be doing less. I mean, literally. He is so, he makes so little of an impression that like, I don't even remember. I mean, look, I kept waiting for, here's the other thing that this movie suffers from. Who is the villain? Who is the villain? That's what I mean. Michael Keaton? Is it that guy? I mean, I don't know, man. The movie is kind of, like I said, it plays out like network USA procedural television from the late 2000s. Like, like if burn notice, well, burn notice would be a better version of this. Burn, it's like uh, suits. Like if RoboCop showed up on suits, there you go. <laughs> or white collar or any of those. One of the other things too, we were talking about from the villain standpoint there, you know, the villain is so eh in this, but what made Kurtwood Smith so awesome as Clarence Boddicker is that he's unassuming Right. He doesn't look like somebody that's going to be doing the shit that he does. And dude, there is no Dick Jones to be found in this movie. No, there's no Dick Jones. Uh, who else? You know, who was Dick's, Dick's boss? You know, he's old missed, man. Daniel yeah. Hurley. Yeah. yeah. He's I mean, gone. That I guy's mean, not there. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about the first, like, no, there everybody, it was like a shark tank, right? In yeah. the first movie, like right. that, nobody was good. No. You know, the corruption in the police department. This movie literally, I don't know, man. Were they trying to make a love story? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They just kind of failed on many levels. I mean, it doesn't work as an action movie because there's not enough action in it. And when there is action, it's bad. It's boring. Yeah. Outside of that opening, the set pieces in this are kind of bland. And the best stuff, ironically, the best stuff of this is when Robocop's not around. Yeah. And then, then you still, and still, you're still treated to an upscale restaurant entree and that they give you two small portions and you're like, okay, where's the rest of it? I'm still hungry. Give me some more. Cause that's the thing is you have with the original, you have so much to lean on because when it's not RoboCop, you got to see Clarence and his crew being dirt bags and it wasn't them. You're watching the OCP people step all over each other. It's like the only time, the only good people in that entire movie really are Alex and Anne. That's it. It's it. There's, there's nobody else good in that movie. Everybody else is no, shit. Man. They're all shit. <laughs> I, I would rather have Robert John Burke from RoboCop 3 doing his thing. You know, RoboCop 3 is better than this. I think so. You know? <laughs> I, the, the first three, Ro I mean, all three of the other RoboCop movies are better than this movie. So this is kind of like 
Raider or the Indiana Jones movie they made, the fourth one. I don't even know what it was called. <laughs> Crystal uh, Skull. Where, yeah, that one. The Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull fuck. <laughs> the Crystal Skull. I mean, th- this is. I mean, obviously not as high profile because no Robocop isn't you know in the pantheon of like classic all time great movies. Yeah, Robocop is no Raiders. Obviously, it, but it's its own thing, and it really is. It's, it's a whole subculture. I'm shocked we haven't gotten a RoboCop meets Predator movie yet. You know, maybe it'll maybe it will come. We're making the comparisons to the first movie because you have to because this isn't a, this is not a sequel. It's not a requel. Right. Everything that happens in the first movie happens in this, with one exception. That opening we talked about, Ed 209 is already in service. Ed 208 was already in service. These things that these things are not was the whole opening was showcasing. Ed 209, but Ed 209 works. And Ed 208 is the uh, human form version of the robots. And it's a super fun opening. That's the only thing that I feel like <laughs> yeah. feel it makes it makes it less of a more of a a, a requel because it's yeah. The, there's a certain amount of stuff that OCP already has in place. Right. You know what I want to say real quickly about those Ed 208s is like when they're running around, they remind me of the drone fucking crew on the Cygnus in the black hole. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I I kept thinking about it this morning when I was watching. I was like, like the scene where, it, you know, where they're in the warehouse and they bring Murphy in there. And, you know, it's, it's Murphy against uh, Jackie Earl Haley and all of the Ed 208s. And it's like, last man standing, that whole fucking nonsense. Right. That scene should be super exciting. And it certainly is not. It it made me think about that opening sequence for Deadpool 2, right? Because it's kind of the same thing, right? It's Deadpool versus loads of, you know, just, but it's, it's so better staged and executed in dead in the Deadpool movie than it right. is in this movie. Right. This movie, I mean, look, it's just like, it's like a shooting gallery. It's, it's kind of like a, it's like, like I said, it's a first person shooter. There's like a bonus stage, right? Where you just like kill as many of these ED 208s as possible in the next 60 seconds. Right. And it looks that way. It, it's, it's, it's really not very, it's boring. And the reason why it, it feels like a video game is because he want. if this was, if this ended up being good, the movie as a whole, if it ended oh, yeah. up being really good, the video game crossover makes a lot more sense because it's the, the video game mimics a lot of what you see in this movie through the POV of, of Murphy, which again would make, makes a ton more sense. And if it would, if the movie would have taken off, it would have made again, the, the, it would have made a fun little transmedia thing there going from one one medium form, format to another. Uh, the video game is very fun, by the way. I should point that out as opposed to what this movie could have been. I think that's what makes movies like this so disappointing. Like, all right, I'm going to give you the time of day because I'm such a fan of the original. Let's see what you got. Now, what we got with the Fright Night remake isn't what we get here. You know, it's funny. We, the, the trailer for this movie is so much better than the movie. And the Fright Night trailer for the remake is the opposite. The movie's yeah. much better than the trailer, and the trailer made me not want to watch it. Right. And that's what kind of that's what that's the bummer about this movie is like I think they said we have a PG thirteen movie, and that's what we're making. Yeah. I thought we left all that shit behind twenty years ago, but no, here we are doing this bullshit, and it's like the movie suffers from it. That's when you have to lean on the whole requel thing. All the way in or all the way out, dude. Right. Like, I don't know, dude. What's nutty too is that for a while there, they were like, okay, we, we haven't got into this yet. We talked briefly about the lead 
in this case, Joel Kinnaman, who you know from Suicide Squad and, uh, of course, Altered Carbon. The Suicide Squad, <laughs> among other things. Right. When it comes to him being Robocop, he serves that portion of the movie well. When he's Alex Murphy, he serves Robocop <laughs> very well. <laughs> he's terrible. I, I, he's, I don't want to say terrible. He's very one note. And he's like, but he's like that in the other movies that he's in. So when I was kind of looking into it and being reminded about everything when they were before they ever went to production, when they were they were talking about Tom Cruise or Johnny Depp or Keanu Reeves playing this part, because the movie's so big, this wasn't going to be a sequel. This was going to be MGM was going to put a lot of money in this, and they still did. It was still a hundred thirty million dollar movie. It wasn't cheap. But how can you imagine any one of those guys doing it? You know why they didn't do it, right? <laughs> because the script wasn't there. The tone wasn't there. Right. Would Keanu Reeves or Johnny Depp done something that kind of was pushing boundaries a little bit? Yeah, they would. Totally in a heartbeat. But not Tom Cruise. Cruise wouldn't have done it. You know. And if he would have done that, we wouldn't have gotten him in Edge of Tomorrow because they would have been filming at the same time. So there. Here's your trade-off. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. Kenneman looks best in this movie when he's got the mask on. Yep. Like I said, I didn't hate the movie but I hate it as the RoboCop movie. How about that? Like, again, if it was just some other movie, I'd be like, oh, yeah, it was fine. But because it's so tight, because it ties me so closely to like RoboCop, which I love and must have watched a thousand times on VHS, and I would slow it down to see, like, you could see the rope pull the guy's hand off. Shit. Right. When they shot Murphy's hand off, you could, you know, you slow it down. Yeah. You know, it just has all that charm and, you know, everything that goes with that original. Is is gone. It's kind of lost. This movie feels like a paint by numbers sort of um, generic action movie. When they're taking out Murphy in the original, I used to blow off his hand, putting the hole in his head. But when they shoot off his hand, does it hurt? Does it hurt? Right. You know, like that that whole that mean spiritedness isn't there. It's and it, but that's what made it fun because you haven't seen it. It's very much comic book villainy, but. It works because we hadn't seen it before. And every sequel and every one, and then I should say every reboot and their reboot are, they're missing that tone that made that movie so fucking beloved. And it's still to this day is so, and you know, people love it so much. The movie turns 35. Yeah. 35 this year. It's the original. Mm-hmm. 35. 35. I, you know, it's funny too, and I am remembering this now. This happens with a lot with movies, especially like remakes or sequels, but mostly with remakes where movie starts off in pre-production and they're talking to studios and it, and it starts gaining momentum. In this case, where it started was in early 2010 and Darren Aronofsky was attached to direct. Now, that's a big deal. I mean, it, 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 I think they made an announcement early on, maybe in uh, late, maybe late 2009, somewhere around there. It's like, it a Comic-Con announcement, I think. And David Self was writing the script. Now, that's a quite an interesting combo that felt more in line with the original. I mean, based on the movies that, you know, the, the things that David Self has written and the kind of movies that Arnowski has directed. All right, that's a good, those are good choices. As opposed to, now with this movie where you have a virtual no name playing the lead, he's surrounded by a bunch of people, you know, and like, but don't see enough of, 
But like we said, overall missing that missing tone, we probably would have found it with David Self, a David Self script. And we probably would have found that with Aronofsky directing because MGM was in a weird place at that point. They didn't have an owner at that because remember MGM was being sold off. And at that point was when they were making their deal with Fox for distribution. Because if you've noticed that any of your movies of the last 10, 15 years, well, I'm about 10 years, you put your, your like, well, like this movie, for instance, you put this movie in and you get the MGM logo at the beginning, but you also get your Fox logo because they handle distribution. But nope, they didn't have a true owner. They, it, was, it was a weird, they were in a weird place. So that's another reason why the movie got put off for almost two years. Yeah. They kind of got around to making it. And then the people that they were involved and talked about being involved in two years prior are all gone. But that's what happens. Movies kind of gain momentum. And then people are still excited by wanting to make it. And they just kept going. And people just kept falling off the side. People that would have made such a different movie. One of these days, you know, and there, it's the same thing that happened with... Uh, uh, Nia Blomkamp, who had this whole amazing plan to do a sequel to Aliens. And his conceptual art was making its rounds. And the internet was excited because it was very intriguing. And like, like, I love Alien 3. I like it a lot. But I like this idea of having a branch like split away from it and then do a sequel, a direct sequel to Aliens. And everybody was on board with it. Michael Bean was into it. And Sigourney Weaver was into it. Boom, boom. Now, obviously, they would have done some weirdness to kind of make up for the fact that Carrie is all grown up now and she can't play Newt anymore, but still. And you know what got in the way? Studio bureaucratic bullshit, because Ridley Scott thinks he's, you know, the better Scott. <laughs> we know what happened Great there. Scott. Yeah. Miss you, Tony Scott, forever and ever. But I think that, I think another thing about that's I think that this movie suffers from the most is not the willingness or desire to make this movie. It was the, the impression that it was a necessity. Yeah. And it's also too many cooks in the fucking kitchen. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something else that needs to be said too, is back in 86, when this movie was in production, the original was in production, Orion pictures, dude, they didn't pussyfoot. They always gave, money and the opportunity and and let the filmmakers make their fucking movies. Yeah. Right? Kuroko was the same way. If Terminator 2 was a straight up studio movie, let's say it was for Fox, since, you know, Cameron's done a lot for Fox. What, what would that have even looked like? Would they have let him make that movie the way he wanted to? No. I don't know if they, I don't know if they would have. For Kuroko, but that was a, they put a lot of money into that movie. I mean, they put, if that movie didn't blow up, they would, it probably would have bankrupted them. This movie, like you said, there's too many cooks in the kitchen because it was a major studio. Even though MGM didn't have any ownership, I, that, that also created this weird hierarchy too that was kind of like everybody was on even keel and everybody had an, e an even voice on it. And I think that's why it just feels so discombobulated. Yeah. I have a feeling that the, the, the script that this cast signed up for isn't what they were saying on set. I don't know. It just, just feels... Yeah, it just, it just feels put together by, by committee and, you right. know, trying to... It's got a lot of problems. Was I? Am I happy that we? That we yeah, I'm happy that we covered it because it was something we should we should definitely talk about. But by all means, I I will never watch it again. Obviously, it's hard not to make the comparison because it's not a sequel. Does that mean it's a reboot and it's a remake? Just just call it what it is. It just it just suffers from being boring. Yeah, Joey's upstairs playing these video games, right? And our common area where the sound system is is right below his room. And the opening, 
you know how I feel. The audience knows how I feel about sound design. The sound design on this movie is so fucking good. So good. That's what I love about the sound guys and the visual effects guys. They give everything, even when they're watching going, this isn't very good. <laughs> but the, you know, the, everybody works in reels anyway. Nobody works and gets to see the complete product because you can't, right. you, you can't sit down for an hour and 40 minutes and, and do all your sound effects. It just doesn't work that way. Right. Again, no, nobody, nobody starts out to make a bad movie. Right. Like we, we said on Kickstart, yeah. nobody sets out to make a bad movie. I like to see him go back and I love RoboCop. I love the character. I love, but it's not, it wouldn't be that difficult to go back and find that tone of the first movie and let people just fucking make that movie, make that movie, get Aronofsky to come back and do it. Just get so many great directors out there that grew up with the original could give the ultimate love letter to it. Yeah. Or just go make another movie. Just take those sensibilities and, you know, create something new. I don't know that I would trust anybody to make a good RoboCop movie. No. They still haven't made, they still haven't made a good Predator movie and they keep trying. Oh, dude, Prey's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. I love Prey. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Anyway, I wouldn't say great. I'd still think Predator 2 is better than Prey. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> I would like to say there's some impressive effects and stuff, but there's not really... That when when they have him out at the end and it's just his head and his lungs, it looks so bad. Especially the lungs, it it looks like it's some really bad CGI. The way when the lungs are inflating, it just looks. I, I felt the same way too, but at the same time, I'm looking going. I said I talked myself out of being negative about it. I kind of like, well, fuck, I don't know what the hell that would look like. <laughs> If it was happening in right. front of well, me, well, I'm just, I'm just saying, I want to say that it looks good. I'm just, I'm just, I mean, it didn't, I, it didn't like, I wasn't like hung up on it. I'm just, it was like the the production value as a whole. Like when you get to a studio movie like this, the production value is always high, and they tried to do some things in this, like the original, where they tried to do something that you hadn't seen before. Like you pointed out, there's a lot less of Alex Murphy <laughs> that goes into this RoboCop. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot less of him. There's a couple of homages to the second movie going on here when you see him all built up and that second reveal with him where he's just his head and his hand and his lungs when he showed his, his brain. Yep. That was a kind of a, you know, that was a little bit of a cane reference to the second movie. Yep. The motorcycle stuff, of course, digress back to him riding a, a motorcycle was the second movie as opposed to him driving around in his newfangled Taurus. <laughs> but, yeah, man. You you noted the the lung and taken out take when you're shown his lungs and it's and I agree with what you're were saying that it's it it doesn't look real but at the same time it's like how do you I don't know what it would look like it's it's kind of a weird thing it 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 looks I get you like I guess that's what that would look like right I also don't understand him keeping the hand <laughs> his hand right? down. what's the point of that. Right, we you just got done showing the very beginning of the movie. This guy, this flamingo player, right? Both his hands are fully robotic, so he's plucking with his right hand and and doing his neck work with another. And he's got two full robotics. Yeah, and it made it look extra weird. It drew your attention to the lungs even more. It did. You're like, what the hell is that hand just floating around right there? Weird that there's no brainstem. Yep. I don't. Know, there's lots, lots of little things that didn't make any sense. When you see a lot of the stuff in the original, you know, Rob Bottin, God, I can't believe we're 35 minutes in. I'm mentioning him for the first fucking time since we keep making comparisons. 
that ultra violence that we saw in the first movie, the things that made it so like, wow, I can't believe they pulled off an R rating. Even when you don't even put those extra NC-17 shots back in with them taking the shot in the head. and Because uh, in, the, in the original, you don't see the theatrical, you don't see the shot. You just kind of see him throw his head back. It's it's brutal. And they stay in the hand longer too when they shoot off, they shoot off both his hands, right? Right. Yeah, and you see it much longer. And and then what's his face from ER getting, turning into sludge and getting hit by the car. All that fun Robotine disgusting effects is totally void here. And you weren't going to get it with a PG-13 movie anyway. But even with the PG-13 capability, as far as the PG-13 limitations, shit, they get nowhere close. This movie's fucking PG. Yeah. You don't even give me a reason to worry about my 10-year-old seeing it. <laughs> it's None, none whatsoever. I know a lot of people out there discovered the original when they were you know, they're in junior high or even some elementary schools and go rent that thing at the, at the local video store. There's nothing about this movie that should limit any kid seeing it. It's just, it's just not, I feel bad for the kids if this is the first Robocop that they see. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's more accessible to them as opposed to just waiting and seeing the proper one. 35 years old. I just watched it a week ago with a new Arrow release in 4K and it fucking rocks. Such a great fucking movie. And that's not nostalgia talking. Even with What's-His-Face's long arms from the man Phil Tippett at the end, right? Right. It's like, yeah, look, it looks weird. But that is another point that I want to bring up. And I'm, and I'm not talking, I'm not saying this to be negative. I'm saying there's charms of the original that are just missing in which what, and then the movie suffers from is that lack of charm of Phil Tippett's you know, stop motion of Ed 209. Yeah, the Ed 209s, this look great. They're super smooth, but I fucking expect that a movie 30 years its senior being that good with the effects, right? I expect that. Yeah, no, it better be. I mean, like, here's the thing. I mean, the, the movie, if you haven't seen any Robocop movies, then maybe you check this out. You probably love this movie. Or at the very least, you're like, yeah, that wasn't bad. It was cool. But it's, it's really hard to like watch this and not compare it with, you know, and I don't want to be like, the old movies, they haven't made a good movie since 1990. Yeah. Everything's terrible. Like, I'm, I'm looking at that poster, man, and it literally doesn't even look like RoboCop. No. It almost looks like Hawk from Buck Rogers. <laughs> you know what he looks like? And it's funny because this movie, it didn't do poorly. It did 242 worldwide. So they got their money back. But the movie, they had a sequel plan and they, they killed it. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that in 2018, they made an announcement that they were going to reboot RoboCop once again. Right. No, not a sequel. They're just going to start over. Right. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I, we just mentioned his name a bunch of times. Neil Blomkamp was supposed to do it. Yep. And, and it was called RoboCop Returns, but it was going to be a true sequel to Verhoeven's original and just ignore all the previous sequels and the reboot. Now I would have been far more comfortable with that than what they did with the Halloween series. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause that would have worked anyway. About a year later in the uh, Neil made an announcement that he's no longer directing the movie cause he wants to turn and focus on a horror movie and that horror movie. Chappie. <laughs> no, if you demonic came out in 2021. 
But you think about it, man, between Chappie in 2015 and Demonic in 2021, I mean, that's a long stretch. But because he was working on that possible Alien sequel, and then he started working on the RoboCop thing, and it just kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but I mean, would Neil working on this movie be a better choice? I'm like, fuck yeah. District 9, Elysium, it shows that he can make that kind of movie. And let's talk about that. You do, again, we just bring it back, back, back up. The opening of the movie, in my opinion, the best part of the entire movie is something that just feel like someone just took Neil's filmography and watched the shit out of it and say, all right, and then they started storyboarding. It really feels that way. So I, I'm not surprised that the next step was just to turn to Neil. I'm like, all right, dude, we're ripping you off. So let's just go ahead and hire you to make the movie that we should have made to begin with. Right. I think one of the problems is like the movie came out a month before I was graduating from high school. You're a year out from graduating high school. And it's that, it's that wheelhouse that we talk about in the show all the time where we have this love and adoration. And I want to call it nostalgia because, you know, you make a TV show and two sequels and a reboot. I don't, I don't think that it's not nostalgic anymore. That's just, it's part of the zeitgeist. You kind of just used to it talking about Indiana Jones and you kind of get used to that, but there's also a certain point where you have to stop making the movies like crystal skull. And like the new one, it's like, don't make it because you can. Right. Like you noted, if you want to get the gang back together, get them back together and do something different. Yes. Do something new. Yeah. They wouldn't kill anybody, right? <laughs> no. But like you noted, if you haven't seen anything from Robocop, but you're just familiar with it, then yeah, start with this and then turn to the 1987 version and realize that, oh, right. Then you see what's missing. It's what I'm doing with Joey all the time. I don't. He's old enough to watch certain movies, but I got to give him the appetizers in the first course and the second course before I give him something else. Because I don't want him to start with the with the better version of that thing. I want him to see the other stuff first so he can appreciate and enjoy those other things. And it's like, you just can't start with the best and then work your way back because then, then all those other movies are very good. You know? Yep. It's worth your time. Last night, it was this wasn't the case. And now that I'm looking at it right now, Robocop 2014 is on Prime right now. It's funny, man. I was going to say, here's the thing. I rented the fucking thing. And then the next day, it was available <laughs> it was, it was just, for free. But it, it's so weird for this to show up in the middle of a month like that. But you know what I'm thinking about it? No, because today's, uh, if maybe it was like the middle of the month, I understand. But yesterday was the 19th. So what the fuck? I, I bought it like, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday with the attention of what, and I didn't get to, I didn't get around to watching it until last night. But when I looked at Prime, it said it was, Included in Prime, and I was like, "You motherfuckers!" <laughs> and, I had, and I rented that thing. Kill me! I just, yeah. I'm just looking at it now. Fuck, that's fucked up. Anyway, it's rental. It's rentable. It's fairly cheap Blu-ray, but like, and the extra. By the way, I'll say this: the extras on the Blu-ray are fucking dope. They're really good. I'm, not, I'm not surprised to a certain degree, but the and the deleted scenes. There's a couple of deleted scenes in there that I would have made the movie a little bit better because it was more of what we talked about. Not getting. We got more of that appetizer level of certain things. If you watch the deleted scenes, then you can it fills that gap in a little bit more, like like the director's cut of Aliens or director's cut of T two for that matter. When a movie that's already pushed in two hours, you, yeah. can't, you can't put that stuff back in. We talked about movies that run like this one, just shy of two hours. There's moments where it's laborious, and that's kind of a bummer. And to say one more positive thing about the movie, and just to kind of tag on what you said earlier. It feels like a video game. It feels like a video game in its segments too. 
Like if you if you play first person shooters, there's not a consistency. It's almost like act one, act two, act three. You can feel that. It had to have been intentional because it's it feels too intentional to be accidental. Yeah. And I think they were trying to reach that new audience that was more ingrained with Xbox and PlayStation. And the funny thing is, the video game, I don't, and I'm not hate to use the word nerds, but the video game aficionados are also the same, are in the same place that we're at. They like the older movies. They like that stuff as opposed to a watered down version of it like this one is. And it's also bummer because what could have been. Yep. It's like I said, it's like leaving your shit on the stove too long. You get burnt. <laughs> get burnt. <laughs> you have a trusting hand, my friend. <laughs> so you want to follow the show on Twitter. It's at Karate Pod or on Letterboxd. You can follow Corey at Corey underscore Culp or on Patreon. Thank you, Patreon supporters. You can support us there at patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll of 33 on your Instagram or at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody at Letterboxd. Boxed. Boxed.